You know, sometimes I give, uh, I think I give away way too much information. That happens from time to time. I'm probably going to do that this morning. But um, my thing is, is um, when, when I see God do something in my life, I like to share it with people for two reasons. Number one, so that he gets the glory for what you're seeing. Thank you, sir. I went looking for that. Appreciate it, man. And the other thing is so that you don't find it strange that you see these things take place in your life and you can recognize them as God doing things in your life. Well, one of the craziest things God does in my life is, is these messages that he gives me. The way that I get them sometimes is just crazy. This message I'm going to preach to you this morning came to me like a puzzle, one piece at a time. Over the last five or six weeks, I've been, I've been as I would study and as I would do things, I'd go, man, there's, that's, that, that's a message right there. And I would focus in on it and go, that's not going anywhere. Or I'd be in the middle of studying for a message I already had, and I'd get this little nugget and go, man, that's cool, but it don't fit this. It, it, God, why did you give me that? It don't belong with this. And finally, Thursday, driving home from Pottsville, from the Rock Crusher, any state trooper, 70 mile an hour just in case. <laughs> 70 miles an hour. I forget we're on the www dot now. You may, they may come find me. Rolling down 65 South, I keep a, a it's a little black notebook, little that I keep in the truck for writing down different notes about some of it's to do with my job, some of it's my prayer list. If 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 somebody's name comes to me, I, I can't remember anything. So if somebody's name comes to me to go on my prayer list, I, I write it down, and then when I get home, I'll tear that page out of the book and add it to my prayer journal. Uh, messages and ideas and scriptures and stuff, if, if it comes to me, I'll, I'll leave a bulldozer with grease this deep and go over and get my little thing and write it down. I get home, I have to kind of get through the grease to read it, but it's there. Well, I was riding down 65 South Thursday, and an, and, and an idea come into my head, and I went, that'll preach. And I grabbed my notebook, and I'm, I'm, I pulled over, let's say. <laughs> you can look at the note, and it looks like a three-year-old drove it. That truck's got a vibration in it about 80. <laughs> and it's hard to write. And I wrote that thought down, and I closed that book up and laid it apart. And I mean, I'm just I'm having myself a Holy Ghost fit going, Man, that is good stuff. And, and then just a couple miles down the road, another one hit me. And, and I pick up my notebook and, and I, I, you know, I'm jotting it down, driving with my knee. And I get it wrote down and I, I put it, and I mean, I'm having a coming apart in the cab of this truck. Coming down the road and people's driving by looking at me funny, which is normal. They do that anyway, but, but today it seemed a little odd. And, and then another one and another one. And from the time I drove from, you get off exit 46 to go to Pottsville, all this started right after I got on the interstate from 46 to the 22. I wrote down these ideas, and I got, I got home to, to the shop, rather, and it was lunchtime, and me and Amanda go to lunch together, and, and I was like, you, you ain't going to believe this. God just put all these pieces to this, to this message. I've been getting them one at a time over the last five or six weeks, and he just linked them all together like a great big puzzle while I was driving down the road. And I showed her my note, and she said, you wrote that coming down the road, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it looks like a three-year-old wrote it. And I got home, and I started putting it all on paper, and I go, man, all of this is the stuff that I've been seeing, and there's no way that it goes together. 
some of this I've been studying. The first part of this I've been studying is the scripture we're going to use for, our, for the marriage retreat this coming week. And I've been looking over it, studying it, and reading it, and, and thinking of how to apply it to marriage and how to apply it to the couples that will be there and praying over it. And, and here it is this morning. Another part of it um, come to me at the other night. I was, just, I, was just, I was just meditating, I guess you would say. I was just in a little quiet zone. It wasn't really all that quiet, but in here it was. And I was thinking, you have to create them spaces, Ricky. They don't come natural, brother. I, I was just mulling this story over from the Bible in my head, and I, I just kept thinking about it, and I kept starting it over in my head and replaying it in my mind. And I kept thinking, man, it is such an awesome, awesome thing to see if you could get people to understand. And here it is in this message. And there's so many pieces and parts. And I pray, and I have prayed my eyes out going, God, please make this flow because none of this goes together. This, this stuff don't really fit. But I know you're bigger than me. Don't take a nap Sunday morning, please, God, because I'm going to need you. Because this ain't going to work without you. Because it don't make sense individually. But when you tie it all the way to all together the way that God has in my head, if it comes out that way this morning, it's going to be awesome. If it don't, I'm sorry. Somebody else will do it next week. See you then. 1 Timothy chapter 6 is where we will begin. We'll read two verses there, 11 and 12. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Let's pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, I do humble myself before you this morning to say thank you for another opportunity to be gathered in your house with your word in front of us. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for the ability to rightly divide. Thank you, Father, for guiding us through. I pray right now that you would bind up all of my thoughts and all of my opinions, Father, and everything that comes out of my mouth would be what you desire to hear this morning. I pray, Father, that you would allow us to continuously flow through your word, that it may flow through us, that we would take it in, Father, so that when it's needed, it'll be there. I pray that you continue to guide us and direct us throughout the remainder of our services this morning, that you allow us to see and feel your presence in all that's said and done. We thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You, O oh man of God, <laughs> but you, O oh man of God, of course that first word in verse 11 is the word but, which means that's tied it to something else. So in order to fully understand and get this in the perfect context in which it belongs, you would need to go back and read the verses ahead of this to find out because he says, but you, O oh man of God, flee these things. So there's something in front of this that we're supposed to avoid. That's not where we're going this morning, but I'm telling you, it'd be good for you to mark this place in your Bible and go back and read and find out what it is that, that Paul is telling Timothy to avoid. We're going to start with the next part where it says, 
You, O man of God. Because that establishes who Paul is talking to right here. Paul is talking to you, O man of God. Paul is talking directly to Timothy, and the letter is written to Timothy, but the message is to all Christians. The message applies to every one of us. O man of God. This is not a message that was, this is not a, a letter that was written for people outside the church. This isn't a message for, for people outside. This is for you, O man of God. You, O Christian. You, who child of Claim to be a child of God. This message is for you. This letter is for you. Listen to these instructions. Apply these instructions. This is great big good stuff right here. He tells us to flee these things, which we didn't read, and to pursue a different set of things. Pursue righteousness. Pursue Godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue patience, pursue gentleness. Does that list remind anybody of anything? It does me. That list is, is written in completion of nine things in another place in the Bible where we're going to get to later. Pursue these things. Reach for these things. Grab for these things. Do you realize that that tells me if we're told to pursue them that we can't sit on the couch and catch them as they come by? You got to get up and go after them, right? So I'm, I'm an outdoorsman. I'm a hunter. I don't get to do as much of it as I used to, or I hadn't in turkey season anyway. There's one statement that's always stuck out to me when, when we would discuss deer and deer hunting with friends and and with the people I hunt with and people that I know are like-minded, there's a statement that I think it came from the, the, the great bearded one, Mr. Duck Dynasty himself, the old man whose name I have forgotten, Phil Robertson. I don't know, man. That's a sin right there. I, I think Phil Robertson said it. You can't kill them if you ain't with them. In other words, if you stay at the house, it's not going to happen. There's no way. You're not going to kill the ducks. You're not going to kill the deer. There's not going to be any meat on the table with you sitting in the, in the front of the TV in the living room. You can't kill them if you ain't with them. Well, in my mind, that applies to this when I see pursue these things. You, you can't get them if you ain't with them. You've got to be getting in God's Word. You've got to have the source of these things. You've got to chase after these things. These things don't come natural to you. They don't just pass by while you're watching television and you grab them out of the air. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't work that way. You've got to pursue these things. You've got to be actively chasing these things. You've got to be looking for them. You've got to do everything you can to find them out and get them instilled so that they can be used. More on that later. We will return to that, I promise. <clears throat> Verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Paul tells Timothy in this first letter to fight the good fight of faith. Now, if you would, go with me to the other place where Paul says these words in 2 Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 7. It's worded a little different. Paul says, 
go back to verse 6. Just For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. This is, this is Paul at the end. This, this is The end is nearing. He knows it's about over. Listen to his statement in verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. If you knew tomorrow was the end, could you honestly say those things? Could you honestly look at your life from this day backwards and say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished. Not I started the race. Not, not I started fighting one time, but then I got mad and quit. I have fought the good fight, completion. I have finished the race, completion. I have kept the faith. Not I had it for a while. I have kept the faith. Could you really honestly say that looking back over your life if you knew the end was today or tomorrow? Could, knowing within the next week was going to be the end of your life on this earth, could you honestly say what Paul said to Timothy? I have fought the good fight. Or would you have to be honest and say, I fought for a while. I fought till it got hard. I, I, I tried, but I decided I couldn't. I, I put a lot of effort in, but I didn't get what I thought I'd get, so I quit. Could you say, what, what, would be, what would be the case? Which one would you have to say? Being honest. I have fought the good fight. If not, how do you get there? How is Paul able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. How is he able to say that? How is he able to apply that? In other words, what can you do to be sure that at the end of your days, you can say that? Because this stuff doesn't come natural to us. It doesn't. We're born sinners. We're born into a broken creation, a cursed creation that is falling apart. If you don't believe that, ask anybody over about 25 or 30 about how their body performs today compared to how it did at 15 to 20. How well does it heal? How easy is it to get those pounds off? How easy is it to keep them off? This, this body is deteriorating. Everything in this world is going away. It's because of the curse. This isn't supposed to be your comfort spot. You're not supposed to be comfortable with the way this world is. You're supposed to be reaching for things that are better than this, and that's eternity. That's life after this world. If everything was perfect in this world, why would you want for more? Why would you desire for something else, right? So a result of being a part of this cursed world is the fact that none of the stuff God desires us to do comes natural to us. You have to work at it. You have to put in effort to receive it. You have to put in effort to see it. You have to put in effort to get it. Could you honestly say, I have fought the good fight? I've, I've composed. No, I haven't composed. I wrote the list down as God gave it to me coming down 65 South and then we took it home and compared it to, to some notes that I had already been looking at over the last five or six weeks. And this is, this is the list I'm going to share with you this morning Five things that God gave me that I can take you to the piece of paper where I wrote them. 
of how to fight the good fight. How you can get to the end of your days and honestly be able to look back and go, I have fought the good fight. Because listen, y'all, this thing is hard. This Christian life is tough. It's not easy. There's more people going against you than going with you. You're swimming upstream every day. It's a constant daily battle. So this, this I have fought the good fight is not going to be something that everybody gets to say at the end of their days. And it's going to take effort out of each of us as individuals to be able to honestly say that. And, I, and this list is the list that I, I believe with all I got in me that God gave me this list. I'm not good with original ideas. I have very few. Almost none. <laughs> this God gave to me riding down the road. Driving, honestly, down the road. The first thing that God gave me, the first thing in order for you to fight the good fight of faith, the first thing is you got to have faith. <laughs> right? You can't fight the good fight of faith if you don't have faith. So salvation is, op is, is step number one for you. You can't have these things in, in 1 Timothy, where we started at, that list of things. If you'll go to Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. I'm going to read to you from 1 Timothy where we started, but you be going to Galatians 5.22. But you, O man of God, flee these things, the things, the list we didn't read, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Pursue those things. Look at Galatians 5.22. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 22. Now, odd as it may seem, if you go back and read starting in verse 19, you'll see another list of things you're not supposed to be involved in. Another list of things we're not supposed to be partaking of. And verse 22 starts off with the word, but. So that means there's things ahead of that that's tied to this that you need to go back and read. Every time you see that. Don't just start reading there. Go backwards. For time's sake, we're not going to do that, but I'm telling you that's another list of things that you ain't supposed to be involved in in Galatians chapter 5, starting in about verse 19. We're going to start in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Look at verse 24, uh, 23. No, 24. 24. This is why I was talking about it being smooth, this part right here. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This list of nine things is known as the fruit of the Spirit. Contrary to popular belief, the Holy Spirit of God does not reside in every person who was born. The Holy Spirit of God is a gift giving to those who choose Jesus as their Lord and Savior. In order for you to fight the good fight of faith and pursue the things that you were instructed to pursue, you have to have the source of those things. You have to have the faith. 
You have to be a follower, a believer of Jesus Christ. If not, the rest of this list of steps don't pertain to you. Matter of fact, the rest of this message don't pertain to you. First, you've got to have faith. First, you've got to have a relationship. First, you've got to have a source of these things. Because in and of yourself, just like me, in and of myself, I'm not capable. I can't do it. I can't display godly love without a connection to God. I can't be patient without the Holy Spirit. I can't be long-suffering without the Holy Spirit. I can't be kind. I can do an act of kindness. I can do an act of, but I cannot live a lifestyle of these things without the presence of the Holy Spirit residing in me because my desire is to give them what they deserve. And what they deserve depends on how I'm feeling that day. There ain't nothing godly about that. See, that's what's natural to me. That's what's natural to you. We're being told to pursue things that aren't natural to us, so you have to have a source of it. And if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, the first step is you've got to have faith. There was a song that I won't sing from a long time ago that I really wanted to write down and I didn't. Gotta have faith, faith, faith. Y'all remember that, right? Listen, if I'm gonna laugh at y'all, I gotta let y'all laugh at me, right? Right. Step number one if you're gonna fight the good fight of faith, first you've gotta have faith. Number two, define your purpose. Define your purpose, set goals. Know your role. There's so many different ways to say step number two. When you come into the faith, God does not call you into the faith for you to sit at the house and watch TV. He's got a purpose for your calling. You were called into something. Look at, look at 1 Timothy where we started at. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. That was your first step. To which you were also called. You were called to this, therefore there was a purpose given. God never calls you to something to do that He don't equip you to do that. He's going to equip you if He calls you. And don't forget, you've got to figure that out. You've got to define that purpose. There's all kinds of generic answers that you can lay on for a while, but as a growing, maturing Christian, you shouldn't be 20 years from now where you are spiritually today. You've got to define your purpose. We had our, at our marriage retreat last year, a couple years ago, at some point, two years ago, we had all the couples write a mission statement for their marriage, a mission statement for their household, so that they could keep focused on why am I doing this? Because I'm going to tell you something, whether y'all admit it or not, marriage is a daily battle. It is. It's a daily battle. It's a daily struggle for every one of us. Ain't never one of us got that figured out yet, I promise you. Some people are, are better at it than others because they've recognized and realized it is a daily battle. And I've got in order for me to win the battle, I gotta have a battle plan. Gotta have a battle plan. That's what your mission statement is. That's what your set of goals is. It's your battle plan. 
You've, you've got to have some way of defining your purpose. You've got to figure out what God has called you to in this faith and get busy doing that. And you've got to keep yourself reminded that it's there. The Bible says, where there is no vision, the people will perish. That's true in your house as well. Where there is no vision... You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a mission. You've got, you've got to have defined, set goals. You've got to have them. That's, what, that's how you know if you're going the right direction or not. Because if you don't have that, you'll get 20 years into your spiritual walk and you'll be the exact same person you was the day you started. And you've wasted 20 years. You've wasted 30 years. You've wasted 40 years. There's no way in a breathing, living relationship with Jesus Christ that you can possibly be in the same spot spiritually 20 years from now that you are today. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have some goals. You've got to be reaching for something. You've got to. If you're going to get to the end of this thing and say, I fought the good fight of faith, you better be making some progress spiritually. You shouldn't have the same questions 20 years from now that you have today. Some of them ought to get answered somewhere. You ought to have spent some time in God's Word at some point. If you don't, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You've got to have faith and you've got to have a plan. You've got to know your role. You've got to recognize your call. You've got to understand your purpose. You've got to, however you want to say step number two, I don't care. Define your purpose. Figure out what God has called you to in this faith. And again, there's some generic things out there that you can get busy with. You realize we all have a generic purpose, right? God created every one of us as a purpose. To be little images, little reflections of His glory. That's our purpose. That's what He created man for. We can go back to Genesis and figure that out. Everything you do is supposed to reflect God's glory back to Him. Then he gave us a picture of what that looks like in a man named Jesus and said, here, if you'll do that, I'll be happy. Imitate him. So if you'll have any other purpose, you have that. Start there. And I promise you, as you start to do that and as you be obedient, God is going to give you assignments. God is going to give you a defined calling. I promise you, your calling comes from your obedience. I promise. The more you handle the little things, the more he gives you things. But you've got to start somewhere. You've got to define your purpose. If you don't, you're going to get 20 years down the road and you're going to be exactly spiritually where you are today. And you're going to go, what did I do for the last 20 years? And God's going to look back and go, what I was thinking? Nothing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because that's going to tie to something else. Look at here, number three. Accept your call. Accept your call. You've got to define it, figure out what it is, then you've got to accept it. Man, this is that story I was telling you about. I just kept going over and over again. I could not get Jonah out of my mind for like a whole week. And I was going, God, I, I mean, I've got, I, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to be preaching or this is just for me, if I'm running from something or what, but I can't get this story of Jonah out of my mind. Then I was riding down the road the other day, and this comes to me, and I go, it goes with that. I get it now. It don't work, but I get it. It fits. So go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Jonah 1, 1. We're just going to read 1 through 3. All of y'all know this. Y'all know all the details of this story. Everybody's familiar with it. 
You have to accept your call. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Stop. That's Jonah's call. That's Jonah's assignment. That's what God told out of his mouth Jonah to do, is to go to Nineveh. So when we go to verse 3, we're going to see Jonah get up and head to Nineveh, right? Let me tell you something about the city that God called Jonah to go to. Some of the most evil people on the earth at that time were in Nineveh. When you went into Nineveh, you would see stakes stuck in the ground with people's heads on them. They were mean, low-down, dirty, rotten scoundrels in Nineveh. And you know what they didn't want to hear? From the prophets of God. And God looked at Jonah and said, Jonah, go tell them. And Jonah did what? Verse 3. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the... He not only didn't go where God told him to go, he went the opposite direction, and in his mind he had a purpose for doing that. You know what? Not only am I not going to do what God said, I'm going to go hide from God. Jonah's call about scared him to death. Some of you, your call has about scared you to death. And you're still running from it, and you're still going the other way, and you're still thinking that somehow, someway, if I can get in the belly of this ship, God can't find me. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely and completely wrong. God can find you. God does not lose sight of you at any time. Never, ever, no matter how fast you run, no matter how far you go. If you want to get to the end of your walk and say, I have fought the good fight, You've got to accept your call. And for some of you, it's tough. I know. It's almost as tough as Jonah's. But listen. Eventually, Jonah figured it out. He couldn't run. Some of you have been in the belly of that whale for a lot longer than three days. You're starting to stink a little. Eventually, you got to come out of there and clean up and get started. You're killing the rest of us. Accept your call. Define your purpose and accept your call. Whatever that call is. And I know some callings are harder than others. I realize that. I understand that. I really do. I did not choose this calling for my life. I had zero desire to be in front of anybody talking. I've already told y'all. I took zeros in high school on oral book reports because I didn't want to talk in front of people. My mouth was the worst thing about me when I got saved. I had gotten to a point that I had so little control over my tongue that I would not talk in the presence of my mama because I couldn't control what was coming out of it. I'd take four-letter words and time together and make 24-letter words, and I thought it was cool, and I lost control of it. The last place I ever thought I wanted to be was standing in front of a church full of people telling them about God's Word. I understand what a hard calling is. I understand what it's like to run. I know what it's like to stay a couple days in the belly of a great big fish, hypothetically speaking. You've got to accept your call, whatever it is. Stop running. 
you're going to get 20, 25 years down the road and you're spiritually going to be the, exactly the same as you are today you started. You're going to turn around 30, 40, 50 years later and go, I don't see any difference. And God's going, I know. Because you spent all this time running. You spent all this time trying to hide from the creator of all things. You know better than that. You can't hide from him. Stop running. Accept your call. You've got to define your purpose. Write out some goals. Let God speak to you. Allow him to speak through you. Write these things down. Set some goals for yourself. Define a purpose for your life. And then accept it. Don't look at it and go, God, I can't do that. He knows you can't do it. He's not asking you to do it. He's asking you to allow him to do it through you. He's never going to call you somewhere and then walk off. He's going to get there before you do. He's going to equip you to accomplish everything he's got for you to accomplish every time. So quit running. Accept your call. Eventually, Jonah gets it right. Eventually, he, he went down to Joppa and found a ship. Going, You know, you realize how much trouble... It took for him to go and do what he did to get out of this calling. <laughs> That's really another, another message for another day. But it's pretty amazing to me to think about Jonah and what all, how much effort it took for him to go the opposite direction. And then what God was willing to do to get him back on track. Pretty awesome story. You've got to have faith. You've got to define your purpose, set goals, write a mission statement. You've got to accept your call. Number four, listen to me. Number four, Philippians 3.12, listen to me. You've got to stay focused. You've got to remember why. Once you accept your calling, do not lose focus of the purpose. Because when you lose focus of your purpose, your calling becomes a burden. When you lose sight of the purpose behind your calling, your calling becomes a burden. You get tired and wore out trying to do it. You've got to remember your purpose. You've got to stay focused. I'm not doing this so people can pat me on the back. I'm doing this so I can put my head on the pillow at night and know that God is pleased with what I've done with the time He gave me in that day. Don't forget your purpose. Don't get... Listen, we as ADD, Bunny, as anybody you ever seen, we'd be right in the middle of doing what we're supposed to and if anything happens anywhere near us, we go, what's that? Right? Even to the point you're in the middle of doing exactly what God's called you and you see Chris and Callista get on an airplane and go to Guatemala and you go, I need to go, I need to go. No, you need to focus. You need to focus to the point that God's calling you and begging you to teach a Sunday school class, to lead a, to do something, to lead a group to somewhere. And, and you're going, I know God, I know God, but let me do this. And you take off running over there. You've got to stay focused. You've got to get focused. You've got to remember your purpose. Listen, if you don't remember your person, it's a lot of hassle to get that many plane tickets bought. If you don't remember your purpose, it's a hassle to have a yard sale and waste your whole Saturday out here trying to raise money for some kids in Guatemala. If you don't remember your purpose, it gets to be a burden no matter what you're doing. If you don't remember your, burden, your purpose, it gets to be a burden to prepare for Sunday school. It gets to be a burden to teach Wednesday nights. 
It gets to be a burden to stand up here and have to sing all these songs and get all of it together and be here before everybody else two hours ahead of time to practice. It becomes a burden when you forget what your purpose is. Do not forget your purpose. You ain't up here so people can see you. You're up here to make God smile. Stop running from it and please stay focused. Look at Philippians. I think that's where I was going. Philippians 3, 12 to 16. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, stay focused, that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus, for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold. Listen, stay focused. I'm not saying I've already attained it. I'm not saying I've already made it, but I press forward. You know what keeps you pressing forward? Stay focused, stay reminded. It's hard some days. It stinks some days. It's tough most days. Because you're swimming upstream, there's more people going against you than going for you in this walk. It's going to be hard. It's going to be tough. Stay focused. You ain't doing it for them. You're doing it for God. You know how disheartening it is? And I've seen so many people do this. To get into some kind of a ministry and start having these meetings and, and, and it's rolling and it's going and all of a sudden you show up one time and there ain't but five people there. You know what most people do at that point? Quit. Well, ain't nobody showing up. Who was you doing it for? Was you doing it for them people that wasn't showing up? Or was you doing it for God? Maybe them five people is exactly who he needed you to talk to that night. Maybe them three people's exactly the ones that needed to hear what he gave you to give them. Why are you quitting? Stay focused. Yes, it's a hassle. Yes, that's a lot of work for just five people. But think if just one of them gets saved because of it. You've got to stay focused. Next one, Tim. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. Look at this. This is Paul's, Paul's remedy here. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You know what that's a definition of? Stay focused. Forget how it didn't work last week and get busy working on next week. You know what my wife will do the day we leave? We'll leave down there Sunday, June the 11th. You know what we'll talk about from Salty, Georgia to at least Ella J, probably Chattanooga and possibly home? You know what she'll be talking about? The whole trip. Next year's marriage retreat. She will not be talking about what things did or didn't go right or wrong this year. She will not mention how she's disappointed in this part or that part. Her mind immediately goes to next year's retreat. And we'll go home and she'll be picking out colors and verses and sayings and all that stuff, the pretty tablecloths, and you ain't going to believe the stuff you're going to see down there this year. And she's been planning on it since we were on our way home last year. You know what that is? That's focus. You know why? Because if you lose your focus, it's a headache to put together a dead gum marriage retreat for 50 people. It's aggravating. People dropping out and can't go and want to go and won't go and don't go and can't go and ain't paid and need money. It's aggravating. But when you stay focused and you remember why you're doing it, you know what you'll do? You'll start on the next one as soon as that one's over. Year after year, for eight of them. That's how you'll do it. 
you've got to stay, you've got to forget about the stuff that's behind you and start reaching forward to what's ahead. Ain't no telling what God's going to do the next time. Ain't no telling what God's going to do tomorrow. Why are you worried about what didn't happen yesterday the way you thought it should? Forget that. Press forward. Stay focused. You've got to stay focused. You've got to accept your call. You've got to have a defined call, and you've got to stay focused on that call. You've got to stay focused. Don't let the little bunnies distract you. Don't let the little butterflies get you pulled off course. You've got to stay focused. Got to stay focused. My last thing. In order for you to get to the end of this walk, the end of this life, and be able to honestly say or pen as Paul did, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. You cannot quit. As a matter of fact, quitting can't be an option for you. Because you are like electricity. I am like electricity. We will take the path of least resistance every time. If it's easier to quit and quitting's an option, guess what you'll do? You'll quit. You'll walk off. You'll turn tail and run. You've got to remove plan B from your calling. You've got to remove plan B from your marriage. You've got to remove plan B from your relationships. You've got to remove plan B from your work environment. If you want to be all that God desires for you to be in every aspect of your life, you can't have a plan B. Because most of the time, plan B includes you walking off and quitting. Be easier. Listen, I've had this fight inside of me. I've told my wife more than once that it'd sure be a lot easier if we could just find us a church where nobody knows us and we can slip in and sit down on the back pew and not speak to nobody. And when they say the final amen, go right back out that door. I guarantee you that won't hurt as bad as what we do now. There's only one problem with that. God won't allow it. I tried to get approval on that one time. You can't quit. You can't stop. Yes, yes, you get tired. Yes, the, yes, the load gets heavy sometimes. But you've got to stay focused. Listen, you can't quit. You're going to get knocked down. It's not always going to go your way. I promise you that. From experience, I promise you that. As a matter of fact, I may wake up tomorrow and regret I preached any of this. You're not, it's not no promises that this is going to be an easy walk. Just the opposite is true. Listen to me. If you want to get to the end of your time and be able to look at other people and go, I have fought the good fight. You've got to have faith because you can't fight the good fight of faith without faith. You have got, you have got to know your calling. You've got to accept your calling. You've got to stay focused on your calling and you can't quit. You've got to remove quitting as an option. It can't be an option in anything you are or nobody that you, that anywhere you go, any part of your life, every aspect of you has to have a desire to fight for what you have. Whatever it is you have right now, as a matter of faith, it's worth fighting for. It is. 
Even if you're just holding on to a shred of a marriage, it's worth fighting for. If all you have is just a little strand of a relationship left with your children, it's worth fighting for. It is. Please don't quit. I've seen too many people that come in and get all fired up and all janked up over this calling that God's given them and they're fired up and they're, and they're rolling and going. And six weeks later I'm going, where's such and such? They quit four weeks ago. I missed it. There wasn't no focus there. You've got to stay focused. You can't quit. Quitting cannot be an option. I promise you, you'll get your feelings hurt in this deal. Over and over and over, you'll get your feelings hurt. Go with Chris some Saturday and knock on some doors and tell people you just want to pray for them. They come to the door and go, we go to such and such church, we don't need prayer. And you walk off going, what just happened? How can you possibly tell me you're a member of such and such church and you believe you don't need prayer? Are you afraid we, get, afraid we got cootie prayers? We, we're going we're gonna to get something on you? I mean, how can you not have a desire for prayer and you just told me you're a member of such and such church? I don't get it. It's disheartening to walk up there and have that door shut in your face, but you know what they do? Go to the next door. Go to the next door. And you know what? If, we won't let, if they won't let you come in and pray, you walk around outside and pray. You drive down the road and pray. And you ask God to remove those walls and those barriers. You've got to stay focused because you will get your feelings hurt. And if quitting's an option, you won't make it two weeks doing what they're doing. I promise you, you're going to get your feelings hurt. It's going to happen. And no matter what part of this thing God calls you into, you be ready. Ask Ronnie and Letha how many kids they've seen that they thought this one's got it figured out. This one's going to be the one. And then they let you down. You look around and go, God, why? I mean, I put so much time into that person. They, I mean, I, put, I, I went and picked them up myself to get them here on Wednesday night. I took time from my own kids to invest in this person. And now they quit. You don't think that's disheartening? You don't think that makes you want to quit? But you know what? You can't look at what yesterday was. You've got to get focused on tomorrow because the next one coming through there may be something sure enough good. <laughs> it may be something God's supposed to do that you're going to step back and go, wow, I can't believe he let me even see this, much less be a part of it. It's got to be real to you. You got to stay focused. Quitting can't be an option. Let's pray. Our most gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we do humble ourselves before you to just say thank you. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for this message. I thank you, Father, that you've told me in your word, if I put your word out there, it won't come back void. Father, I pray that everything I spoke this morning is pleasing to you. I pray, Father, that everything that was said is glorifying to your name. I pray that you be with us through the remainder of our service. If it be one here this morning that ain't started this walk, that ain't got that faith, that don't, that don't have that connection yet, I pray that this be the day of salvation for them. Father, I pray if there's one here that's exactly where they were the day they started their walk, whether it was 5, 10, 15, 50 years ago, I pray that today is the day that you open their eyes to that fact and they begin to move. I pray, Father, that you not allow us an opportunity to quit, that you keep us encouraged through one another, that you keep us encouraged through the little, uh, the little nuggets of glory that you show us. 
Father, I thank you and I love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.